can be seated. Happy Thanksgiving to you all, and good morning. Hope you have an opportunity this weekend to spend some time with family and friends and to celebrate um, this Thanksgiving. I mean, the government gives us a holiday to give thanks to God, so take advantage of it, right? There's a story of a boy who came to church, and he didn't have a lot of money, didn't have a lot of possessions, and he would see the plate, the offering plate that was passed along, and every time it would come by him, he would look at it, and he didn't have anything to put in there. And uh, he heard the, uh, the message of the pastor preaching about surrendering our lives to the Lord and, and going out and living for the Lord. And so he, uh, one day when the offering plate came by, he took it from the usher and he put it on the ground and he stood on the offering plate and he said, here I am, Lord, because I don't got anything else to give. And I think that's what God is calling us to as well. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you, O God, that you have given so much for us, Lord, and in return, Lord, help us to surrender our lives to you. And as we look at your word today, I pray that you would help us and enlighten us and convict us and encourage us and help us to give thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the title of, this, of the message today is called Redemptive Generosity. Now when you hear the word generosity, you might think, oh, they're going to talk about money? And yeah, we have to say something about that. But generosity as a whole is something much more, is much bigger to be able to have a spirit of generosity, to be able to have, um, just to live a very generous uh, lifestyle. And so uh, redemptive generosity is being able to be a person that is generous, that your life as a generous person makes an impact on others that leads people to redemption. Uh, the title of this series is called Ripples, because what we want in our, in our vision is, is making a difference, touching our world through Jesus one life at a time, making a difference in people's lives, and that having a rippling effect for other people. And so this aspect of generosity is that we are, live generous lives, and that makes an impact on other people to draw them to saving grace, to bring them into the light of salvation so that they can understand what Jesus did. And so to have the spirit of generosity, I think generosity is a, it's a characteristic. It's an attitude, and, and it's also a lifestyle. And the question is, do we live with a generous spirit to help those in need? Do we live with a generous spirit to be kind to others? Now, we can be generous in so many different ways. We can be generous with our money, we can be generous with our time. Maybe there's a mentorship relationship that you're investing into that you're trying to help other people. We can be generous with our resources, maybe because of the education we have and we're able, because of the knowledge and understanding and wisdom of experience that we have, we're able to help other people. Uh, our talents, our abilities, we could be generous with our words. We can be generous with our emotions, with our possessions, and especially we can be generous with our lives. And so in this series of, of ripples, generosity is actually tied into all of these things that we've already talked about and what we're going to talk about next week as well. So the first part in this series was about loving others, and generosity is tied definitely to loving others. We have a generous spirit to love others and help others and reach out to others. Uh, the second part of the series was uh, about seeking 
for justice for the oppressed, and generosity is definitely using our lives to speak up for the oppressed and using our lives for, to cause justice in the world. And last week, we looked at the importance of prayer, and generosity is definitely tied in with prayer, and we need to be generous with our prayers, to pray one for another, to strengthen one another in prayer, and to be generous in that. And next week, we're going to look at uh, evangelism and how generosity can be displayed in the way that we share the Word of God and the love of God with others. And in, uh, it, at, at UAC, we can see that there's... Uh, so many different ways here at Unionville Alliance that we are actually generous people. I thank God for each and every one of you. There's so many of you that give to the work of God here in the local church. And uh, we have so many different ways of giving. And I just heard recently as well that a lot of people are giving through Tidely as well. And there's even more people giving through Tidely, new people giving through Tidely. And so that's awesome. And we want to thank you for your generous giving, your generous giving to help the local church and the operations here and what we do here uh, as a church. Um, and there's so many different ways in giving. We have a, a, a community care fund that we have that people give to to help people within the community, those that are in need uh, financially, to help those uh, around us. Uh, Toronto Alliance Church that we go down to, you've heard much about that uh, recently as well, and how we're able to go down and help our sister church in downtown Toronto. Master's Pantry that takes place every couple of weeks here, where we're able to give food and clothing to the people in this community, and you all give to support that, that uh, amazing operation. Uh, in December, we have Hampers of Hope, where we're able to give these amazing hampers, the large hampers to families so that they can celebrate Christmas in a joyful way. Right now, we have our Operation Christmas Child shoeboxes going on, and there's so many of you that have taken those shoeboxes to fill and bring it back. And I'll, I'll tell you a story later on in the message about the impact of, uh, of that. And missions as well. Next, uh, next week, uh, the following weekend, we're going to be having a, uh, a missions weekend where we're going to focus and concentrate about, you know, uh, about missions. And we are the Christian and Missionary Alliance. And it's so amazing that we can contribute. And so many of you give towards the Global Advance Fund that help our missionaries around the world uh, to do what they do. And that's such an amazing thing. And so we're just thankful for each and every one of you and for the ways that you give and support the, the ministry of the church and support what we do here at Unionville Alliance and what we do in the community and what we do around the world as well. But, you knew there was a but, right? But there's always something more that we could do, right? And there's always a challenge that the Lord gives to us so that we could be generous people. And so I just want to look at a few points this morning about what generosity is. Number one is that generosity is the overflow of our joy in Christ. Generosity is the overflow of our joy in Christ. We read this portion, but in 2 Corinthians is our principal portion that we're looking at in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 1 and 2. Now, what, what was happening here, Paul was writing this letter to the church in Corinth, and he was talking about some other churches in an area called Macedonia, and he, Paul was sort of bragging and he was sort of provoking the church in, in Corinth to a little bit of jealousy and saying, hey, do you know what the church in Macedonia did? And so he starts to recount what actually happened for the churches in Macedonia as he's writing to this church in Corinth. And he says, and now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given to the Macedonian churches. In the midst of very severe trial, their overflowing joy... And their extreme poverty welled up to what? Rich generosity. They were poor. Not only were they poor, they were extremely poor. 
But what did they do? They gave. Because our generosity is not dependent on how much we have, but on our overflowing joy in Jesus. I'll say that again. Our generosity is not dependent on how much we have or possess, but it's dependent on our overflowing joy in Jesus. Sometimes we think, oh, when I have lots of money, I'll do this or that. Or when I have a big house or a nice car, then I'm going to do this or that. Or when I retire then, and I have more time, then I'm going to go do this or that. Or when my kids are all grown up and uh, things are less busy, then I'm going to come and do something for the Lord and do something maybe in the church. If we have that attitude, trust me, it's not going to take place. Because it's not within our spirit. It's not within our attitude. It's not within our character to be generous. It won't happen. Our generosity is not dependent on how much we have or what kind of situation we're in, but it's dependent on this overflowing joy in Jesus. You know, what was, what was probably the greatest miracle that Jesus ever did? There's so many miracles he did and so many amazing things that he did, but I think probably one of the most amazing miracles that Jesus did was in John chapter 11 when Jesus went to his friend's place and his friend Lazarus was dead and he was dead for about four days and Jesus came and revived him and he came back to life. Such an amazing miracle that took place and it was such a moving story that happened in John chapter 11. The next chapter in John chapter 12, we read about Jesus in Bethany at a dinner and Mary, the sister of Lazarus, was there. And Mary takes some perfume, and she anoints the feet of Jesus. And as she's anointing the feet of Jesus, Judas is looking on, and he's looking on with a critical spirit, and he's thinking, why was this perfume not sold and given to the poor? Right? And the Bible says there, he said that not because he cared for the poor, but because he had the money bag, and he would actually steal from the money bag. So in the back of his mind, he's probably thinking, why was this perfume not sold? And then the money comes to me and I get to put it in the money bag and then I can take some from it as well. And so he's seeing this. And, and, and it's interesting because greedy people will always look at what others are doing and be critical of it. You might see somebody living in a big house and you might say, oh, they should sell that house and live a little bit more modestly. But you don't know how generous they are. You don't know what they're doing with their money. So they might be living in a big house, but they might be very generous to, for the things of the Lord and to, help, and to help others. And so that's why, but now if you have a big house and you're living very luxuriously and then you're not rich in good works, then the Bible exhorts us in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 18 and 19. It says, command them to do good, those that are rich, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that, that is truly life. So to be generous, be rich in good works. Now, back to the point, to the story of Mary here. So Mary is taking this perfume and she's pouring it on Jesus' feet, right? Judas is looking on thinking, why wasn't this sold? Because it was a very expensive perfume. This was actually an extravagant offering by Mary. This wasn't a small little offering. This was an extravagant offering. The Bible says there that that perfume was worth about a year's wages. So now here's the question. Think right now, how much do you earn in one year? Okay? Right now, think how much you earn in one year. Now think about taking your, pay, uh, your checkbook writing a check 
for that whole amount of what you earn in one year and dropping in the offering plate. Uh, now you know what Mary did. Mary took the whole, her, it was a one year's worth of wages. That was the cost of that perfume. And she poured it out on Jesus' feet. Why do you think she did that? Well, the previous chapter tells us why. Her brother was raised from the dead. There was overflowing joy in Mary's life. My brother was dead. He was dead for four days, but now he's alive. I don't know about you, but wouldn't you be happy about that? It would drastically change your whole life. If your brother or if your sister or if your loved one was dead, and four days later they came back to life, and Jesus did that for you, would you not be overflowing with joy, overflowing with excitement? And so in John chapter 12, the very next chapter, Mary comes and takes this very costly perfume and pours it out on Jesus' feet as an extravagant offering, as an extravagant giving, because she's overflowing with joy. She's so grateful to Jesus. And the question for us today... Are we overflowing in joy? And if not, maybe that's the reason why we're so stingy. Maybe that's the reason why we're so greedy. Maybe it's the reason why we battle with money. Or we battle with being generous to other people. This week in our men's retreat, we're going to talk about a little bit about that overflowing joy. So you haven't signed up yet? There's still time. Kent Hughes said this. There is no such thing as a Christian Scrooge. We may know some Scrooges who claim to be Christians, but I don't think you can claim to really know Christ and be a stingy person. And you see that in the life of Mary, such an extravagant offering, right? And I know of people that maybe they don't have much in terms of just money, but with their time, they are extravagantly giving. With their, with their emotions, they are extravagantly giving, They're helping others. They're praying for others. They're comforting others. They're spending time with others. In Luke chapter 19, we read the story of Zacchaeus. Now, Zacchaeus was a tax collector. But you know what happened to Zacchaeus? When Zacchaeus met Jesus, everything changed. When Zacchaeus met Jesus, Luke 19, what does it say? Verse 8 and 9, but Zacchaeus stood up and he said, Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house. Not only was Zacchaeus willing to repent and make restitution and put things right, he was willing to be generous. He said, I'm going to pay back what? Four times the amount. See the spirit of generosity that's being exuded here. See the spirit of generosity that's overflowing here. Why? Because when you meet Jesus and you see the extravagant offering that he gives for us in the life of his son, Jesus Christ, our response should be an extravagant answer, an extravagant offering. You know, just before this portion in, in, in Luke chapter 19, just before that in the previous chapter, is the story of a rich young ruler. The Bible talks about this rich young ruler that had all sorts of money and he came to Jesus and he said, Lord, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, do this and this and this. And the young man said, I've done all of those things. So then Jesus said, okay, then sell everything you have and give to the poor and come and follow me. And he said, what? I always say, I heard, I heard one man say, touch a man's money. Or touch a man's kids, and the true colors will come out. Is it true? Touch a person's money, 
Or touch a person's kids, and their true colors will come out. And this rich young ruler, he couldn't give that up. And it's a stark contrast between that rich young ruler story and then Zacchaeus' story in the next chapter. Overflowing joy in Jesus gives us such a generous spirit, gives us such a generous attitude, gives us such a generous disposition to help others in their time of need. Number two, the second thing is the the privilege of generosity. Do you know that generosity is a privilege that God gives to us? Because we don't really realize how much it blesses us to give to others. Right? It's such an amazing blessing for our lives as we give to others and as we are generous. With our time, again, I don't want you always just to think about money during this message because it's not just about money, but it's about our time. It's about our resources. It's about our talents. It's about our abilities. It's about what we are able to do. It's this disposition. It's this spirit. It's this attitude, this characteristic of generosity that needs to be abounding in our lives. And it has a ripple effect to help others. And God is calling us to be generous people because he's given us that example in Christ and we'll get to that. But generosity is a privilege. In in 2 Corinthians, it says, for I testify that they gave as much as they were able. This is now verses three and four. Again, he's talking about the Macedonian churches. They were able to give and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for what? The privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. It's interesting because in the previous verses, he said that in their extreme poverty, their overflowing joy abounded to give. So I'm probably thinking, probably Paul was looking at that situation and thinking, Macedonian believers, you don't hardly have anything. You, you don't keep what you have. You, you know, you got to take care of yourselves. And they were probably urging Paul. It says here, it says here that they urgently pleaded with us for this privilege of sharing in the service of the Lord. So, so maybe they came to Paul and said, Paul, please let us give. And Paul was like, no, 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 look, you have so many needs. You're extremely poor. And Paul, and, and Paul was probably trying to convince them the opposite. And they were saying, no, Paul, please, please let us give, give us this awesome privilege. Give us this opportunity so that we can give. It's a privilege of sharing in the service of the Lord. Maybe nowadays it's not like that. Maybe nowadays it's like, oh, fine. But this church, they were the opposite. They pleaded. They asked, please, Paul. They urgently pleaded, let us have this privilege. You know, in Acts chapter 4, you see this really stark comparison in Acts chapter 4 from verse 32 to chapter 5 in verse 11 between Barnabas and Ananias and Sapphira. In chapter 4 from verse 32 onwards to the end of the chapter, it talks about this man named Barnabas who sold some a possession of land, and he came and he gave the, the money to the apostles. And uh, it, was, it was an extravagant gift. He sold his land and he gave that to the apostles. It was an extravagant offering. It was an extravagant giving, right? In the early church, you see a lot of extravagant giving going on. But then right after that, in starting in chapter 5, you read the story about Ananias and Sapphira and how they sold some property, but they kept back some of the money. They didn't want to give everything. And they brought some money and said, here, this is what we sold the land for. And I think the difference there is the spirit and attitude of generosity. Sadly, Ananias and Sapphira, they died instantly. 
But Barnabas, we see later on in the book of Acts, how God blessed him and blessed his ministry and doing so many different things and being a missionary and planning churches and, and, and doing some awesome things for the Lord. It's a privilege to give. Generosity, it begins at home. With God has surrounded us with opportunities, even in our house, to be generous with our family members, generous with our friends, generous with our loved ones. Let's start there. It's a privilege that begins at home and extends to others. You know, if God prospers us in our lives, it's so that he can, he can allow us and give us the privilege to be more generous. I like this quote from Randy Alcorn. He says, God prospers me not to raise my standard of living, but to raise my standard of giving. God prospers me not to raise my standard of living, but to raise my standard of giving. As God blesses us spiritually as well, let's give back. Maybe it's in a mentorship relationship that you go and you spend time and you spend emotions and you spend your resources to be able to invest into somebody else and to have that generous spirit and that generous attitude. I know I'm going to lose some sleep. I know I'm going to take up some some of my free time is going to be gone, but I am going to spend some time in the service of the Lord to build into other people. As God blesses us, as we grow spiritually, as we grow in the Lord, as God prospers us in a spiritual way. It's not just to make us more comfortable, but it's to reinvest into other people. It's a privilege to give. John Wesley was one of the greatest evangelists in the 18th century. And uh, in 1731, he began to limit some of his expenses. And he thought that he could uh, live with... Uh, that, that first year, he, his income was about 30 pounds... And he was able to live off of 28 pounds, and he had two pounds left over, so he gave that away. The next year, his, inc- his income doubled, but he was able still to live with 28 pounds, so he gave away 32 pounds. And then the following year, his income jumped to 90 pounds, but he was still able to limit his expenses to 28 pounds, and he was able to give away the 62 pounds. And... Uh, in his long life, Wesley's income advanced to as high as 1,400 pounds a year, but he rarely let his expenses increase more than 30 pounds. And it, it, it baffled the, the tax collectors in England at that time, like the CRA, right, equivalent to the CRA in Canada. They thought, no way, this Wesley, he's not paying enough taxes. So in 1776, they actually like audited and investigated him, and they thought he wasn't paying his, his excise tax And so this is the quote in response. He says, I have two silver spoons at London, and I have two at Bristol. That is all the plate I have at present, and I shall not buy any more while so many around me want bread. God prospered him, but it was to give more instead of getting more. It's a privilege to be able to give. When he near, around the time when he died, they estimated that about the 30, 000, about 30,000 pounds that he had earned throughout his lifetime, he had given away most of that. Not much was left on his person. There's a pastor in, in Texas, his name is Robert Morris, and he's a pastor of a church called Gateway Church, and he's written a book called The Blessed Life. Um, that book, The Blessed Life, it's, uh, the subheading of that is called Unlocking the Rewards of Generous Living. And he outlines different principles of giving, and if you get a chance to read it, I highly recommend it, to read the book. But he says the first step of giving is tithes, which is something that already belongs to the Lord. You're just giving that back to the Lord, right? Tithes is not ours. It's 
just giving back to the Lord what already belongs to him. And then he says there's offerings. And then he says there's extravagant offerings. And he says that most people get, up, get caught up in the first step and rarely get an opportunity to go to the next two steps. And God brought him to a place, if you read the book, you can read the testimony, and he shared this so many different times, how God brought him to the place where God asked him at one point in his life, and I think this happened a couple of times in his life, to, the Lord came to him and said, can you give me everything? And he got so excited because he knew what God was asking him. God was asking him for his house, for his car, for his savings, for his retirement savings, and all those things, and he gave it freely to the Lord. And the Lord blessed him in return. He shared a story, which I want to share with you. He shared a story on a Sunday morning about a man in his church who would give away $100, give $100 bills away to people. He would walk around in church, and when the Lord would speak to him and say, give that person some money, he had $100 bills in his wallet, and he would give a $100 bill. And so on one Sunday, he had shared about giving, and he had shared about being generous. And there was a single mom in church that day And uh, she was struggling because that week she had earned $1,000 and she was struggling to give her tithes. But she realized that she should give $100 to the Lord out of the 1,000 that she had earned that week. So she got her checkbook out and she was getting ready to write the check for $100. And the Lord spoke to her and said, no, give $120 as an offering. And she was like, Lord, this is hard enough as it is to give the 100 and you want me to give 120. And so she, but she wrote the check and she gave it. And then after the service, this man that was giving out $100, the Lord spoke to him and said, go and give her $100. And so he went and he pulled out his wallet and he was taking the $100 bill out. And then as he was taking the $100 bill out, he saw a $20 bill beside the $100 bill. And the Lord told him, give that $20 as well. And he argued with the Lord and he said, Lord, no, I only give out $100 bills. <laughs> but the Lord said, no, give the 20 and, then and you will know why. And so he took the $100 bill and he took the $20 bill and he gave it to the lady and she was so blessed because she saw in her obedience how God was providing for her. That evening, Pastor Robert went home after he had told the story on Sunday morning and that evening his children had come and he had a daughter that had been away from the Lord for some years and and she had just recently come back to the Lord. And so then At dinner that time, she asked to speak with her dad, and she said, Dad, you know that story that you told about the man that was giving out $100 bills? He's like, yeah. She said, that was you, wasn't it? And he said, yeah. And she said, when you told that story, what flooded into my mind was as a kid growing up in church, seeing you go and talk to people, and put something in their hand. And about 10 or 15 memories flooded my mind about when you did that. And she'd been away from the Lord, and she had just come back to the Lord. And she told her dad, Dad, I want to be like you. I want to be like you. That is an amazing thing, to have such a generous spirit, and to see that passed on to the next generation. That is the reward. It's a privilege to give. In the Bible, in the Old Testament, we see Solomon give extravagantly. You know when Solomon dedicated the temple? Do you know how much he gave to the Lord? He gave 22,000 cattle as a sacrifice, 120,000 sheep and goats. That's a lot of animals. 
that he sacrificed to the Lord. But he gave extravagantly. And when he gave extravagantly to the Lord, in response, the Lord came to him and said, Solomon, what do you want me to do for you? Ask of me anything. I'll give it to you. And Solomon asked for wisdom, and the Lord said, you will have wisdom. We did a series this this summer in the Proverbs about wisdom. And this pastor, Pastor Robert Morris, who I'm telling you the story about, God came to him in a similar way. When God told him, can you give me everything? And he said, yes. And he gave him his car, his house, his savings, his retirement savings, everything. He just gave it all to the Lord. And then the Lord came and said, ask me anything. And he realized that God doesn't ask people to give extravagantly like that all the time. And he realized that it was a privilege that God was giving him to give extravagantly. And God came to him and said, ask me anything. You know what he asked for? His request to the Lord was, Lord, let my wife and I be madly in love all the days of our life. That was his one request to the Lord. Dear, dear friends, dear people of God, there's, there, there's so many things that God challenges us with and asks us with. And this is not about a prosperity but gospel where you give one thing and then you expect to get something back. If you do it like that, don't expect to get anything back because that's not how it works. It's a generous attitude. It's a generous spirit. Not just in finances, but in, inter- in our interactions with other people and how we live our lives to make ripple effects with other people, to share the gospel, to be impacting in our conduct and in our speech and in our manner of life and in our attitude and in the ways that we interact one with another, whether it's at work or school or in church or with our family or friends, to have such a generous attitude of wanting to give, wanting to surrender, wanting to do stuff for other people. So let me ask you a few questions. And I'll leave this with you and in our life groups, we'll be talking about this this week. But our life, uh, when it comes to our finances, when it comes to our life of generosity, uh, the life that we live, does it reflect generosity? What, and when we examine our finances, what does it actually reveal about our priorities or what actually makes us happy? If you look at your budget and you look at the way that you spend your money, how, what does it reveal about our priorities? What does it reveal about what makes us happy? Is it used for the furtherance of the gospel? And here, this is for frugal people like me. I tend to be frugal, but I splurge on technology. That's my, my, my weakness. But for frugal people, is, is our spending too cautious that we cannot be generous to those around us? We tend to be too frugal, too cautious that we're not generous to the people that are close to us. We're not generous to the people that God has surrounded us with. We're not generous maybe, you know, if, to, to give a tip to somebody right, or to help somebody in need, or to pay it forward to somebody at the, at the cashier line. Are we able to display the generous act of the Lord? The next thing is that generosity is an act of grace. Generosity is an act of grace. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 6 and 7, it says, So we urge Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion, what? This act of of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge and complete earnestness and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in what? This grace of giving. From verse one, we know that this started out because of grace. And some of us, we, we, we need a lot of grace to part with our money. 
We need a lot of grace to be of a generous spirit, right? And it's not just about giving, but how we give. It, the act of grace is to be done cheerfully. The act of giving is to be done cheerfully, joyfully, abundantly, and gracefully. In 2 Corinthians 9, 7, and 8, it says, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves who? A cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Sometimes we might feel like we're forced to give or we are forced to be generous or, oh, I have to spend some time with this person. I really don't want to spend some time. It's just a waste of my time, right? Or we're forced in a situation that we don't want to be. But God wants us to have such a generous spirit that we are a cheerful giver of our time, of our resources, of our emotions, of, our, uh, of everything that God has invested into us, our wisdom, our knowledge, our understanding, our education, whatever it might be. You know, when I, I was driving this week and I was just meditating and thinking about this message and I thought, you know, an act of grace when we're driving is to be able to let that guy come in. Right? Sometimes, we, sometimes it, it, I tell you, I feel all the time. It's like someone's trying to make a right turn into the lane and I hit the gas. No, 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 you're not getting in front of me. Right? It's, it's not, and when I look at that, it's, again, it's not about how much or quantity or this or that, but it's a reflection of my spirit as not being a generous spirit. These are signs and symptoms. I don't have that generous spirit, that I don't have that idea of being generous in everything that I'm doing. God shows us grace, unmerited favor. Can we, with other, uh, can we give to others our wealth, our time, our substance, our possessions? with unmerited favor. You know, we don't get it. We don't receive it from God because we deserve it or we've done something to to merit it. That's why it's grace. But God gives with unrestrained, unconditional, unmerited favor. You know what the true act of grace is? Okay, we're going to take this to the next level. The true act of grace, the true act of generosity is to do it, you ready? Even for our enemies. Romans 12 says, on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, what should you do? Good for him. Let him starve. (laughs) If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. Now this is what makes ripples in the world. This is what makes ripples in the world. This is what sets Christians off from other people because of the kindness that God showed to us while we were yet sinners, while we were enemies of the cross, while we were enemies to him, he showed us kindness and love and forgave us and he's calling us now to show that even to our enemies. You know, we could be generous for a good cause and we can say, I'm going to be generous with my family and friends. I'm going to be generous to the poor and needy. I'm going to be generous to this person and that person. But if God says, be generous to your enemy, what are you going to say? Oh, no, that's not, that's too much. No, dear friends, dear people of God, that's what makes the ripple. That's what makes the ripple. Be generous even to our enemies. You know, there's a famous story, uh, Les Miserables, written by Victor Hugo. And in that, Jean Valjean, the principal character, he's shown grace by one of these priests that he comes into contact with. But then he steals from that same priest. But what does the priest do? He shows grace and forgives him, and not only forgives him, but he gives him some of his silver to help him get a good start. 
In Luke 16, verses 19 to 31, is the story of the rich man and Lazarus. We don't have time this morning to, to go into it, but in our life groups, we'll talk a little bit about that. And how this rich man saw this beggar Lazarus begging at his gate and didn't do anything to help him. And finally, when they died, Lazarus was comforted and the rich man was in torment. What is the act of grace today being Thanksgiving? This weekend being Thanksgiving that we can show to others. How about inviting somebody to your home for lunch or for dinner? What does the Bible say towards that? It says, but when you give a banquet, invite your best friend from high school, those people in your life group. And it says, when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Right? Are we able to do that? There's a man named Oswald, Oswald uh, Goylter. He was a missionary in, the nor- in northern China in the 1940s. And after 10 years of service, he was returning home. And while he was coming home, uh, waiting for his boat, he found uh, all these refugees in a warehouse that was there. And he went to visit them. And it was Christmas time. And he went and he wished them Merry Christmas. And they said, we're not Christians. And we don't believe in Christmas. And he, says, and he said, I know, but what do you want for, for Christmas? And so they t- talked about these German pastries that they really liked. And so what this missionary did was he sold his ticket and he took that money and he went and he bought these pastries for these people. And uh, he gave it to them. And they were so amazing. He said, and he wished them Merry Christmas. And later on, when he was telling this story to one of his classes, one of his students asked him, Sir, why did you do that for them? They weren't even Christians. They don't even believe in Jesus. His reply was, I know they don't believe in Jesus, but I do. That made the difference. How is our belief in Christ a reflection of our attitude in in generosity? Let our generosity be acts of grace to help someone in need, whether it's financially, emotionally, physically, or whatever it might be. Let's be generous. Let's pay it forward. And the example of Christ's generosity, these last verses in in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, it says, I am not commanding you, but I want to test, test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. So, so Paul is telling the Corinthian churches, look, I'm gonna, I want to test the earnestness of your love by comparing with others. And so he's been doing that in all of these verses by boasting about the churches in Macedonia and saying, look, the churches in Macedonia have been doing this. And he's like, I'm going to test you that. But then the next verse is he gives the greatest comparison. And that's the Lord Jesus. And he says here, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. Christ demonstrated the ultimate generosity in giving his life for us. This was the most extravagant, costly, lavish, marvelous, stunning, unbelievable, unimaginable, improbable, radical, incredible, awesome, super generous gift ever, period. Can we be generous like that? And give our lives for others. Jesus calls us to take up our cross and follow him. For God so loved the world that he gave. Now take that sentence and put your name there. For Daniel loved the world and Daniel loved the people that he gave. Does that fit my lifestyle? Does that fit the way that I conduct myself? In Acts 20 it says, In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work we must help the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give 
than to receive. Freely we've received. Freely we should give. Can we give like Christ gave? That's the example Paul is comparing to here. And he says, look at Jesus. For your sakes he became poor, that through his poverty you might become rich. See God as that generous giver. And it it starts with our heart. Because in Matthew chapter 6, it says, But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there is your heart also. We'll find it, you know how we can find out what, who really is our God? By the way we spend our money. John Piper says it this way. He says, The possession of money in this world is a test run for eternity. You can pass the test of faithfulness with your money. Can you pass the test of faithfulness with your money? Do you use it as a means of proving the worth of God and the joy you have in supporting his cause? Or does the way you use it prove that what you really enjoy is things, not God? It's like going on vacation. And you go on vacation and you buy some souvenirs. What do you do with those souvenirs? Do you decorate your hotel room and put it up here and put, oh, look at my hotel room, nice with all these souvenirs? Or you buy the souvenirs to take home to your house. And then decorate your house with all these beautiful souvenirs to remember your trip. Here's the question. Are we trying to decorate? Sometimes I think we're trying to decorate the hotel of this world instead of laying up treasure in heaven. We're trying to decorate the hotel of this world instead of laying up treasure in heaven. You know, we all know that we can't take our riches with us after we die. But what if I were to tell you that you could? I believe we can take our riches with us after we die. How? Invest into people. Invest into souls. Invest into the furtherance of the gospel. Be generous in giving. Use our time, use our resources for the furtherance of the kingdom of God. And that's investing into eternity. That's taking our riches into eternity. That's laying up treasure in heaven. So maybe next time, instead of Maybe taking a vacation, maybe think of a missions trip. There's two ladies in our congregation. I won't mention their names. I don't know if it's public or not, but they're going on a, on a mis- two separate missions trip, one to one place and another to another place, and they're taking their time and their energy and their efforts, and they're going out to share the gospel. Invest in people. It will have a rippling effect. Sponsor a child. You never know what that child is going to do with their life. You don't know what discovery that child is going to make. You don't know what impact that child is going to have. You don't know what's going to happen to that child 10, 15 years down the line. But it will be a rippling effect. Give a shoebox. We're doing shoeboxes right now. Fill that shoeboxes and it will have an impact. I heard a story recently of a couple and they've gone on quite a few uh, Samaritan's Purses missions trips where they actually distribute the shoeboxes. And they told me that in one particular place and in one particular village they went to and they were distributing the shoeboxes. It was a small village of 140 people. And as they distributed the shoeboxes and shared the gospel, it was a mass conversion. 140 people gave their lives to the Lord. How? Because people were generous to pack some shoeboxes and send it out. People gave their hearts to the Lord. People's names were written in the book of life. People had a hope for eternity because some people were generous. How about us? That's redemptive generosity. It's redemptive generosity.
It's the kind of generosity God is calling us to. I'll just close because today's Thanksgiving with generosity produces Thanksgiving. Sometimes we think of the other way around. We think, okay, you know, when we're thankful, then we can be generous. And yes, for sure, that happens. But in 2 Corinthians 9, it says, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. If you don't feel very thankful today, if you're looking at your life and thinking, I don't know if I have a lot to be thankful for. You want to know a secret to be thankful? Be generous. Go out and give. Spend some time investing into other people. Use your time and go and help somebody. And you'll see a spirit of thanksgiving that comes. It says here, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Worship team, you can come up. This last verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 6, it says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Let's find joy in 